You are listening to The Pulse, Rod Murray's e-learning tech podcast. Number 190, Turn It In, interview with Arjun Singh. Hi, this is Rod Murray. Glad to be back. That was a clip called Too Long by Yael Naim. Now, if she sounds familiar. She's the acclaimed singer-songwriter from Israel, now living in France. She gained some fame when her song New Soul played during the Apple MacBook Air ad campaign a couple of years ago. She has such a sweet voice. I think you'll like it. So uh, stay tuned for the full song at the end of my podcast. Today's podcast episode is sponsored by D2L. You may know their main product, the Brightspace Learning Management System. I, of course, would only accept sponsorship from companies and products that I'm very fond of. So please check out their website at d2l.com slash pulsepodcast to learn more. In the interest of full disclosure, my institution, the University of the Sciences, uses D2L Brightspace. I also invite you to follow me on Twitter. My handle is Rods Pods. As always, I post links to the things we talk about on my show notes website at www.rodspulsepodcast.com. My topic today is Turn It In. Many of you have heard of Turn It In as a plagiarism detection program. So today I interview Arjun Singh, who's the Chief Strategy Officer at Turn It In. Turnitin offers campus-wide assessment products for homework, quizzes, final exams, and term papers, whether it's online or in-person. We discuss Arjun's background, grade scope, something he was involved in before Turnitin, and now it's part of Turnitin. It, it automates grading workflows. We talk about Feedback Studio. That's the main Turnitin plagiarism detection program. Their plagiarism database, something called Draft Coach, which is pretty interesting. Authenticate, which is what they use to protect academic integrity and safeguard institution reputation. We also mentioned LMS integration and how ExamSoft just joined the Turnitin team. So without further ado, here's my interview with Arjun Singh. So Arjun, thank you so much for agreeing to speak with me today. I'm really looking forward to finding out what's new about Turnitin. How are you doing, by the way? Thank you for having me. I'm doing pretty well. Weather is finally warm again, so it's all good here. Yeah, yeah, I like to see the sun. We've finally we had a lot of snow, but uh, anyway, things are uh, looking up. I hope uh, this year. So before we get into the um, nitty gritty about Turn It In, I wonder if you could tell tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to work with Turn It In. Sure, happy to. So um, I grew up in Las Vegas, and I came out to uh, University of California Berkeley for undergrad and my PhD as well. And I've always really been into education. Um, I did. Uh, I was a teaching assistant several times. I worked on a few different ed tech projects, and one of those projects was GradeScope. Um, GradeScope is a application for helping instructors give students better feedback faster. And it started out as a side project at Berkeley back in like 2012, 2014. Would turn into a company. And uh, over the next few years, it grew pretty, pretty crazily um, and instructors really loved it. And in 2018, um, we joined Turnitin. And so for about the first year at Turnitin, I sort of just really um, led the Gradescope initiative at Turnitin. And after that, I took the role of heading up our strategy. And that's my current role here. 
So did some of the functionality of GradeScope end up in Turnitin? Uh, so Turnitin has um, multiple products. Um, Turnitin Feedback Studio, which some people sometimes people call just Turnitin, like that's the flagship product. Sure. That's the one with 15,000 customers worldwide. And GradeScope is another product we offer um, as, as well as others. So we have a product portfolio and really transitioning from what people often think of us as, as kind of that, you know, uh, the service that helps check for similarity in written work and essays to really an end-to-end solution for giving feedback on all types of work, whether it's an essay or a problem set or a programming assignment, as well as maintaining the integrity of it. So, um, you know, GradeScope is, is still around. And, 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 you know, last year we over doubled our user base, actually, on, on that particular product. Wow. Oh, that's that's great. Yeah. In fact, I guess I didn't know too much about other products. I know Turnin is well known for its uh, plagiarism detection. What can you tell me then about what it's doing uh, beyond that? Uh, you mentioned great scope. Does it use, for example, um, AI to look at uh, at writing and give feedback that way? How, how does that how does that work? Um, just to make sure I understand the question, um, are you asking about kind of the Turnitin plagiarism detection or all the products here? Well, uh, you mentioned um, GradeScope and, and, and products beyond uh, plagiarism detection. So uh, right. uh, what, what does that technology look like and how, how does it work? Got it. So, so just talking about GradeScope for a moment, it's really about building a really great workflow to, to create any type of work. And where we got started was actually uh, an assignment type that's really ignored by technology for the most part. Think of like a midterm in a calculus course. Right. You get like a you know five page packet of problems. You do it with a pen or pencil on paper. The instructor takes it back and pulls out a red pen and pours over these papers for like 12 hours. And that was my life as a teaching assistant. Did that several times. And what we did with GradeScope was we digitized that process rather than doing it with a red pen on paper. You digitize the work either by scanning it or having the students upload it digitally themselves with a smartphone or typing it in directly. And then what we let you do is. We let you build a rubric on the fly as you see what your students are doing in this dynamic. And what that means is, you know, let's say you've got 300 students in your calculus course. You'll see the first problem. You'll give them a score and feedback. And maybe they forgot an X. And you go to the next problem and they didn't made a different mistake. And you say, you know, they forgot the Y. And you go to the next problem and you see one of those same two mistakes again. Instead of having to type out a comment or like come up with a new score, you just click on it. And so you're reusing your score and your feedback, and you're able to kind of go through and cut the grading time really dramatically, like in half. You make it more consistent, and at the end of it, you get better feedback for yourself as an educator, because when you're done grading everything, you can go look at problem one and be like, how do people do on this? What were the most common mistakes? What do people do well on? Oh, shoot, 62% of my students forgot the X here. That's really important. I want to go and spend five minutes next time I see my students in a lecture and really hit this uh, point home because um, it's important and they didn't get it. And so, you know, that's kind of where we got started is just like building this really great workflow that kind of just bridges the paper-based world to digital world. We actually did add in some automation in there. So what I didn't mention earlier is um, at Berkeley, my, my background's actually in computer vision and robotics in the course I was a teaching assistant for was the artificial intelligence course. And that course started out, the first time I taught it, it was like 200 students. The last time, it was like 600 students. Today, that course is 1,200 students. 
And what that means is every time you teach it, it's a completely new experience because the number of students are just exploding. And we're always trying to figure out how the heck are we going to keep giving students high quality assessments, give them good feedback when the number of students are just growing like, like crazy here. And um, we always like, you know, this is a team of, you know, professors and grad students that are kind of automating all sorts of things um, and, and recognizing um, like, 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 like building robots to like recognize their environments and all that. So we always joke that we should build something to grade this for us. And one of the things is like, that's a really hard problem. And it's also kind of the wrong way to think about it because the thing that makes education, that really empowers education uh, is that relationship between the instructor and the student. And you wanna give the educator, the instructor, kind of the ability to take their unique spin on something and, and, and present it to the student. And so we don't want to automate things that the instructor is doing and like rely. We, we want to empower them to take their expertise and scale it out. And so the way we do that is we'll read the student's answers. Like so many of these are handwritten and we'll say, okay, you got 300 students. Those 62 have the same answer. Answer number one, those 47 have a different answer, but all the same amongst those 47. And now as an educator, when you're grading this work, instead of having to go and give those first 62 students, you know, minus one, minus one, minus one, minus one with the same feedback 62 times, you do it once. And that, you know, again, dramatically speeds up um, the process and also makes it more consistent. So we are trying to find ways to bring automation into these key critical workflows, but in a way that doesn't water down that kind of human um, interaction between students and instructors. That's great. You know, I didn't know anything about GradeScope. So this is um, sold as a separate product? That's right. Um, okay. It, it, it's, it's something we're integrating together, but they're going to be separate offerings because they really serve different needs, sure. right? Sure. Well, getting back to the, the I guess, the main product, uh, Turnitin uh, Plagiarism Detection, tell us a little bit how that works because I'm kind of amazed that it can do that detection fairly quickly you can might tell me how long it takes but then how many databases does it try to match that paper against how, how does how does that work uh, behind the scenes yeah so depending on exactly um, what version of this you're using there's kind of a few different databases that it'll search against so one is our own proprietary crawl database of kind of key web pages that students might be um, using when they're researching for their work so think Wikipedia and you know all the similar websites where you know students are likely to go. So we have our own database of stuff we've crawled that's of uh, high interest to, for, for this purpose. We have partnerships with publishers. Um, and so like academic papers will come in. And then the last thing is um, this, you know, like previous students work, right? Because a really uh -huh. common way that students used to cheat is, you know, the, the essay that you're, you're being asked to write this semester is the same as the one last semester. And so if you have friend that took it last semester then you know so that's a really common um, thing that you know has diminished greatly over the past you know 15 20 years um, due to the presence of, of turn it in right how about these um, sites you hear about uh, where people can buy papers and so are, are they also included is that something you can you can uh, go against yeah so that's a newer capability that we added in uh, about a year and a half two years ago now i think it's what we refer to as authorship investigation. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple of things here. So so first off, we, we do have some ways to kind of help protect against this, but it's just important to know that with the similarity detection stuff, 
like it's pretty concrete, right? If you have a, a thousand word paper and 800 of them, you know, literally match with the Wikipedia, you know, maybe you didn't know how to cite properly, right? So mm-hmm. action to take is sort of up to the, you know, the institution, the educator to figure out what the appropriate action is. In many cases, it's education, not a punishment. But the fact that, you know, the paper matched is is clear cut, right? There's, there's no like objective discussion about that. It's just, you know, you, you, know, you did something, um, that you're not supposed to do and you should know how to cite your sources properly and paraphrase and attribute and all of that. Mm-hmm. Authorship, it's a little different. Um, and the way it works is when students submit work over multiple courses or multiple papers in the same course, they have, you know, various style to, to how they write, um, the complexity of their words, the, um, a really easy and funny one is, you know, whether you use like British or, um, <laughs> uh, American like spelling. spelling for yeah. And so based on a few of these different attributes, we're able to kind of get, get like a understanding of how does this student write? And then if on the fifth paper in the course or the fifth paper they've submitted, everything's jumbled and like either they've gone way back in writing ability or way ahead, or they're all of a sudden using different spelling or, or their vocabulary is changed dramatically. Um, it's a flag It is not a silver bullet or a smoking gun right. or anything. It's a flag that just lets somebody at the institution know that, Hey, there might be something going on here. You might want to come and take a look. Mm-hmm. Some of these cases where, where um, people are buying papers off the internet, like they're, they're doing the silliest things. And so you'll see things every so often where the author name says like, you know, write my essay.com. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we just surface some of those details that like when you're reading a Word doc or a Google doc, or whatever, you're not going to look at yourself. Uh-huh. So, you know, if their flag hits, we surface some details that are important and we just, exp- um, you know, make it clear to the person doing the investigation that they that there's something going on. And, and the most effective way to like deal with this often is, all right, there's a flag. I'm reading it. I'm a little suspicious. It seems a little weird. I'm just going to interview the student and be like, hey, like, tell me about this paper you wrote. Like, what did you research? You know, what did you learn? Like, and like, just kind of go through your thought process and that's a really good signal for if they did the work themselves or not very frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not something that's nearly as um, clear cut as the plagiarism or similarity detection. Right. So it sounds like you, you almost create a sort of a, a writing profile for each student in some sense. Uh, the other question I have about how this works or, or how, how people are using it, how institutions are using it, do they often uh, tell students that, here, we're, we're using Turnitin, but you might want to check it out yourself and and submit your paper before you actually turn it in for real. Do, do, do people do that? Do institutions do that? Do you recommend it or not? Yeah, so um, both in Turnitin and Feedback Studio, but more recently in this new um, offering called Draft Coach, we're actually making this easier and easier for educators to choose to give their students this option. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about Draft Coach here because it's exactly getting to your point here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Draft Coach is our integration uh, currently with Google Docs and upcoming um, likely with Microsoft as well. And it embeds, you know, a little turn it in panel inside the editing environment. And students can get a limited number of checks to kind of just do a pre-check, make sure their citations are in the right format and make sure there's no like unsighted mm-hmm. work. Institutions have the ability to um, add on now. I and, you know, it's 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 really trying to help kind of the students learn how to do the right thing rather than you know kind of to your point them not knowing about it until after the fact and many students just 
didn't get this skill earlier in the educational career. So mm-hmm. we're really hoping to help help students learn how to appropriately research, cite, attribute, and all of that through just the simple check before you submit your work. Right, right. <laughs> One thing I always um, wondered about, uh, what if you're plagiarizing yourself? Does that cause a red flag? Is it something that uh, you're even aware of in, in, in some cases? Self-plagiarism is really interesting because there's some context where it's just not uh, worrisome to, you know, the participants in that context. And there's other contexts where it's a real issue. Mm-hmm. Right. So even in academia, like you can't just publish the same paper twice in two different conferences. Like that's not that that's not OK. Um, similarly, if I have an assignment in, you know, English one and then, you know, another assignment in English two and somehow the assignments just work, that I could just submit the work twice. Like usually that's not the point of the assignment to just resubmit what you did last time. But sometimes you might have a situation where you're writing a series of papers about the same topic and you have an introduction that is very similar across them and there's really no necessary reason to go and rephrase your introduction the six times you need to say it. And so that self-plagiarism may show up and may be found in the scan. And this is kind of where that human um, understanding of like, well, what am I looking at here just has to come in, right? Mm-hmm. So. Even when, you know, the fact that it matches in a high percentage comes up, like that fact is sort of not debatable. Whether it's plagiarism or not is still a human decision to make and just have to understand the context. Is this the English one paper? Is it a conference journal paper? Is it a series of papers? You know, like the context is really important. Sure. I, I remember reading on your website um, how your product safeguards the reputation of the institution. What, what do you mean by that? And how does that work? So are you aware of any of these scandals that have come out where some leader in some country has been shown to, you know, plagiarize some huge part of their their speech or their right. you know thesis sure. or whatever, right? Yeah. Like that's the type of thing that really hurts an institution's reputation, right? Like you don't want to be the institution that graduated this person that went on to be some politician and ended up being really high profile and it just really cast doubt on like, what are they doing here at this institution, <laughs> right? Back in, I think, uh, the early 2000s, like there was this kind of rise in like all this press that institutions were getting around um, cheating rings and and all that stuff. And so that was one of the kind of key reasons people would come to us and say like, hey, like this is really important. Like, you know, our, our, our credentials have value because people trust us that we're teaching our students something and evaluating that work. And, And at the end of it, we're saying like this person's at the level that, you know, a graduate of our institution needs to be at. And so that, that's, that's a really important thing. And, and kind of just ensuring the trust of kind of the, the, the broader ecosystem is really, you know, what we're going for with that, right? Like that, that's why risk management is something that we pay attention to. Also being a, a techie myself and uh, interested in the sort of the backend technology, how does Turnitin uh, integrate with uh, the learning management system? Yeah, so the, our integrations do vary a little bit by product and by use case, but high, at a really, really high level, we have LTI-based integrations for kind of all of the major, for all of our products, for all the major workflows. Mm-hmm. But in some cases, you can get a better experience by having um, a slightly more embedded integration. Mm-hmm. So one really good example of this is um, Canvas has this plagiarism framework, which lets you kind of get a little more embedded into Canvas. And then we have similar um, integrations with some other providers like like Moodle, where we go a little deeper than what L- um, LTI alone would let you do. And so it's 
you're able to use Turnitin alongside the um, LMS's assignment functionality. Um, whereas with LTI, it sort of sometimes ends up being a choice of do I want to use that tool for this assignment or that tool for this assignment versus using them together when that makes more sense. How about integration with um, Desire to Learn, or I should say now D2L Brightspace, that's uh, my institution's LMS? Yeah, so with D2L, I think for both kind of Feedback Studio and with Gradescope, we have a really great LTI integration. Um, with Gradescope, I know it's LTI 1.3, and I think for the others it is well, but don't quote me on that one. <laughs> I believe we're, we're LTI 1.3 across the board at this point, though, and it's a pretty straightforward, simple, seamless integration. How does it work with gradebooks? To be honest, I, I as a faculty, I'm not, you know, full-time faculty, so I haven't really had the opportunity to use uh, Turnitin. Um, how does it integrate with the, do you assign a, a, a grade or a score within your product and that's passed on to the LMS gradebook? Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's one of the things that LTI 1.3 makes a lot easier than mm -hmm. kind of previous versions of LTI. But you're exactly right. So, you know, the student submits via LTI into our product the grading happens in one of our products, and then once the grading's done, the score just gets passed back to the LMS. Okay, well, that's good. You know, some uh, educational technology products tend to keep adding features and maybe expanding. If you've told us a little bit about um, grade scope, are there any other areas that you're planning to get into that maybe you haven't told us about or, or um, areas that you're planning to move into in the future, if you're allowed to say that? <laughs> Yeah, so there's a couple of things we didn't dive too deep in so far. So let's kind of go through them. I mentioned publishing and kind of um, research. And so we have a product called Authenticate, which is taking some of our similarity detection technology that's in Feedback Studio and adapting it to match the research workflow. And this is where like risk management gets really, really important because, you know, um, publishing is like the, the lifeblood of like how, how we innovate and push science forwards. And it's really important that people get the appropriate credit for the work they do. And so, you know, ensuring the integrity of papers before they get published is, is huge. Um, so Authenticate is that product there. And that's something that, um, we, you know, we, we get care deeply about just kind of the full educational ecosystems, ensuring that there's trust there. Yeah. I mean, especially in this uh, COVID world, you, you're, you know, we're hearing about all the research that's going on and there's so many different institutions and, uh, you know, research labs working on the COVID treatments or vaccines, or I, I can imagine something like that would become even more important these days. Yeah, I mean, some of these things get to be pretty big deals when there's kind of attached to some big discoveries and there's, you know, patents and grants and all sorts of things that are associated with them that end up being really big for the institution. So it's a simple thing. We're just, hey, let's just make sure that you know, we're, we're doing our own work. How about the proctoring area? That's such an important uh, area now, especially since so many institutions are, you know, doing uh, emergency Zoom teaching. You know, uh, and proctoring is is always an issue. Uh, doing tests remotely is that something that you're thinking of entering? Yeah. So you actually beat me to the next thing I was going to say as far as you know what else is turning and doing. So really quickly, let me just back up and recap one more time. Sure. Um, where, where we're going is sort of in, right? So really, the, the way we describe it is end-to-end -end assessment with integrity at the core for all assessment types. So that could be an essay, it could be a program assignment, it could be a problem set written on paper, it could be a quiz taken on a computer, 
right? And to maintain the integrity of those things and to, to kind of give the best feedback to the students and grade them most consistently and accurately and efficiently requires sort of going across all assessment types for integrity. So that's similarity detection, that's authorship, that's including proctoring, uh, potentially including like browser lockdowns, as well as assessment creation, assessment delivery, grading and feedback, and then analyzing the results. Right, so those are kind of like the eight buckets we sort of see ourselves working in. And the other major thing we did in this space over the past few months is uh, a company called ExamSoft joined uh, Turnitin as well. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. I did hear that. Yeah, and ExamSoft's really well known for exactly what you're getting at of like maintaining the integrity of these really high stakes assessments. Mm-hmm. So they have an assessment platform, which is amazing for getting great data about how students are doing and attaching those to learning outcomes. But the thing that I think they're even more well known for is um, their secure assessment delivery client to right. make sure that students can't go to some website when they're you know taking their test, uh, making sure that uh, they can't look at notes that they might have typed up or something like that. And then early last year, ExamSoft released a new offering, an add-on to, to their kind of their core platform called Exam Monitor, and it's it's a proctoring solution for the ExamSoft platform, and um, we're looking at essentially taking that and we, we will be looking at offering that as a broader offering, even outside of the ExamSoft platform. But the reason why we haven't done it yet is, you know, this has always been true, but just became so much in the light with COVID is ensuring that we really get privacy and security and bias and all of those things nailed really, really, really well. It's critical, mm-hmm. right? Particularly in the AI proctoring space. It's really important that we don't put something out there that stresses the student out for no good reason or, or cast aspersions on them or um, even worse, you know, gets them into an investigation just because we put an algorithm out there that kind of did the wrong thing. Right. right. Some bias of some kind. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, like exam stuff, stuff like works really well. Exam monitor works really, really well. Um, but if we're going to go and take it and expose it to, you know, yeah. 10, 10 or more times the number of students. Like we just want to take the time to really, really refine it um, and get it. Look, like these algorithms are never going to be perfect. Like promising perfection is not reality. Um, but there's so much we can do to eliminate bias and make it clear what bias there may be, educate our users on those things, and really reassure everybody involved that we're here to, like, like, Tests are always a little stressful. We're here to make sure that the work you put in gets the appropriate credit, and we're here to make sure that the you know entire degree possible we eliminate all of the concerns around you know privacy and bias and, and all of those things. Right. We we happen to use a different um, proctoring solution right now, and uh, students the first thing they complain about is their their, their privacy, and some they've they've uh, I guess uh, browbeaten their faculty uh, instructors enough that they some. Maybe smaller classes decide not even to to use it, you know. But uh, so this is a really an important area, and I can see it being uh, much more important as we do more and more online. It's um, it's going to be with us for for a while. Yeah, definitely, and that's one of the things that really brought it to light is you know Procter was getting more and more popular as online education of all forms was growing. But in many of those situations, when you chose to take a course online, you knew what you're going to get into, right? You knew you're taking a distance course, an online course, and something that came with that was some proctoring technology. What happened last year was students who did not sign up for that, mm-hmm. right, just due to COVID, 
we're in the situation where like that became important. And, you know, we had to make a bunch of really hard decisions in a, as, as, educa- as an educational community. We had to make a, re- a bunch of really tough decisions in a pretty short amount of time. Yes. And yes. there was no way that you're going to be able to make, like there, there's no perfect decision in that. There's no way you can make, address all the concerns and make everybody happy with it. Right. And like, and so, you know, I'm, I'm impressed with how quickly people moved, but it surfaced a lot of areas of improvement for these systems going forwards. That's right. I really uh, feel bad for our, not only the students, but the, the faculty, they, they have their hands full. Some of them working at home with children around them, you know, and, uh, it's uh, it's it's really been stressful for everybody concerned, and uh, hopefully we're, you know, we're going to things are looking up as uh, vaccines um, get distributed. So uh, I'm hoping we can get back to a, a more more normal situation. Uh, but uh, so, something tells me we're it's never going to be totally back to the way it was. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, I hope that all the stuff we want to have in person, we get there. But there's some things that digital brings that, that do make things better or cheaper or more accessible. And so, you know, um, the, the thing people like to say about COVID is it's this accelerator, right? It, yes. It's kind of accelerated a bunch of trends that are already there. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. But I'm also pretty sure that a lot of us are just going to want to go back to seeing our, our students and That's teachers right. and educators right. in person. So. Well, Arjun, this has been great. I, I, I learned a lot. I think uh, my audience will uh, uh, appreciate that uh, Turnitin is a lot more than just plagiarism detection. I think this was great. Thank you so much. Really appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Well, that's it for this interview. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly learned a lot about Turnitin. It does a lot more than I had known. So with that, stay tuned for the full song, Too Long, by Yael Naim. Until next time. Have a great week. I waited for so long outside myself. You see, I was pretending to be someone else. I was longing to see who I wanted to be And I've been waiting on my own I've been waiting for too long Not strong enough to be with you And I've been making up my world I've been painting it with gold Not strong See you oh. 
That's it for today's episode. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to give Rod feedback. You can leave comments on his blog or send email to rod at rodspulsepodcast.com. The preceding audio commentary is the product of the author, Dr. Rodney Murray, and does not represent the official viewpoint of the University of the Sciences or any other institution or company. Yeah.